good morning, good evening, or whenever you are listening to this podcast at. My name is Joseph McCormack, and this is the inaugural episode of the Russian and Ranting podcast. And today, I'm joined by Scott Stapley, Alex Raspin, and Ollie Mortimer. How are you guys? Good, thanks. Very well, thank you. Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Um, so I thought, just before we get into uh, the content itself, I thought for the, for the listeners who perhaps don't know who we are, uh, we could just have a quick insight um, as to our Diamonds background. So, as I say, my name is Joseph. Um, I'm a part of the Radio Diamonds team uh, and have been for a couple of years now. Used to go and watch uh, the old club uh, as a supporter, but since I've been back with the Phoenix Club, um, I've been involved in the media side uh, ever since I've been back. Um, Ollie, do you want to talk a bit more about yourself? Yeah, I've been a, a volunteer um, for the um, media um, department like yourself, Joseph. Um, I've been involved since August 2014, um, so working on Radio Diamonds, doing match reports and um, Twitter during the game as well. Um, my first game was um, back in the old RDFC days, back in 2001, so supporting the, the old club and the new club for almost 20 years now. Excellent. Alex? Um, I started following the Diamonds in, in about 1996, but I was only about seven at the time. Um, I became a season ticket holder kind of about 99, 2000 sort of time, and I have been ever since um, with the new club and the old club. I've seen the good, the bad and everything in between. And Scott? Yeah, I'm, um, I've been following the club for 25 years from when I was seven in 1995. It was like a 3-1 um, win against Crawley Town at... Um, Nem Park shows how things have changed now. Um, mm-hmm. Currently, obviously, I'm, I got elected to the club board this summer, and mainly sort of my responsibilities have been on the communication, media, and digital committee. I've probably got that wrong in the wrong order. Um, and also, I've been sourcing out the um, ticketing on Ticket Source um, for each match during lockdown. Awesome. So, in today's pod, we're going to be talking about um, a bit of our past in step three, how we've got on over the last couple of years. Uh, we're then going to move into a bit of the pre-season, have a bit of a chat about how that went. And, of course, the start of our league campaign so far. Um, we're recording this um, about a week or so after the defeat to Colville. Um, so that's where we're at at the present time. Uh, and then later on, we might move into some of the club initiatives and talk about um, what the club was up to over lockdown. And we'll see where the conversation stems from there, I suppose. That's going to be that from me for now. On with the pod. trying to provide some inspiration. What will the response be from Rushton? It's a goal from an Andy Lowe. You know, Scott, to start off with, what have you made so far of our time at Step 3? I think so far it's been um, it's been quite reasonable. I mean, as you say, as a newly promoted side, we finished quite strongly. We had a good start initially. OK, we faded towards the end in our first season, but we finished reasonably in, like, upper mid-table not far from the playoffs, um, but obviously not quite making it. But again, it was a season about just looking at getting consolidation after that first year, getting promoted from step four after spending three years um, going between about yeah three different leagues. Um, second season, again, I think we, we had a bit of a um, reorganisation of the squads. Um, obviously, we Paul Lamb left us and then Neil Shampolova came in and we obviously saw a change in style. Um, certainly the squad got younger. We saw younger players coming in. Um, and again, we finished about mid. We were on course to finish mid-table, although I thought we were actually, prior to all the um, fixtures getting called off in February last year because of the weather, um, I thought we were actually having a reasonable season. 
okay, we did do very well against Colville and Banbury that, that year. But again, you've got to bear in mind, obviously, we had a very, very stop-start part, um, very, very stop-start um, end of season at that point. Um, and then obviously following this year, at the moment, it's a very, very, very tight league and we've only played seven games. So we've got to be careful how much we read into it. Um, for example, though, I would suspect some of the clubs who are near the bottom of the league at the moment will probably be up and around the playoffs later on. Um, but so far, we've had quite a reasonable start based on where you'd like to think we'd finish, which would probably ideally, but most people, if they're honest, would be sort of like that mid-table, upper mid-table position, maybe a little bit outside the playoffs, depending on how things go for us um, in the matches. Because again, it is, a tough, it is a tough league at that top end. Um, some good with some really really good sides um, pushing for promotion as we saw last year. Yeah, definitely. Anything you'd like to add to that, uh, Alex? Yeah, well, I mean, I watch a lot of non-league football, and I, I, I thought that this would be kind of a level where we, we we found our level effectively, at least for the time being. The first season when we came into step three, I thought we did excellently. Really, I think we exceeded expectations, at least initially. I remember when we beat Kings Lynn. Um, I think it was at the start of March that season. We were up in about second or third place things petered out fairly badly towards that season. The year after that, our, our second season, I was a little bit concerned with some, <laughs> some of the business that we did or didn't do that summer. Um, but then I think we ended up really, I think we were perhaps on course to have a better finish. And there was a period around kind of the turn of the new year when, when Kazik, Greg Casaboni came in, where I, I thought we were looking quite realistic for a playoff place really at that point. But then he left and then obviously coronavirus hit um, Maybe not a bad time because our results, again, were tailing off a little bit. As Scott alluded to, we had that uh, defeat at Colville and uh, also Banbury um, just towards the end. But I've been really encouraged by um, some of the signings that we made this summer. Um, and going into the season, I'm, I'm really optimistic about how we can do. But already this season, I think what we're finding is that there's a, there's a, a fag paper, basically, between a lot of the teams in this, year, uh, this league. And it's I don't think there's going to be much between kind of the top the top end of the league and even right down to kind of 17th or 18th. I think there's a couple of sides that you could predict that would be at the bottom, but much of a muchness besides that. Yeah, and I think you've both uh, made the point that the, the squad definitely has changed as the years have gone on, as they so often do at a non-league level. Ollie, what have you made of Step 3 so far? How have you enjoyed it? Yeah, really enjoyed it so far. I think we, we you know, hit the ground running straight away, um, acclimatised, you know, from that very first game. I remember August 2018, um, baking hot day, you know, in, in August, beating Redditch 5 2, I believe, with we 5 0 up at, at half time or during the second half, um, and kind of um, carried that form, you know, on for, for, for quite a lot of that season. Um, I know when we was at um, step four and step five, we'd had some experience of playing step three sides um, in the FA Cup, but, you know, when you're going up to, to, to a level like that, you're never too sure how you are going to. Um, kind of adapt and fit in, you know, when you're playing teams of that level week in, week out. Um, but I thought that first season we were, you know, we were fantastic. Um, like Alex said, taking um, four points off Kingsland in the entire season should have been six, um, apart from that last minute equaliser in the away game in October. Um, and I felt in every single game, um, barring the odd one or two, we, we, we competed throughout. There was a lot of tight games where we won one nil or two one, or we was edged out by the same scoreline, um, and you know, not not for one second did I think we was overawed at any stage, or I never thought, or you know, we're really struggling here. We need a lot of of, of new signings or anything like that, um, and we was well in 
you know, with a contention for the playoff spots um, up until around March time. Um, you know, the, the league was, was so tight that year and it was the same again um, the season after, so so last season. Um, again, I had a lot of positive performances, a lot of positive results. Um, and when the season was curtailed in, um, in March, um, I think if we'd have won that last game before lockdown at Banbury, um, I think we would have moved into playoff spots. Um, and obviously, I guess in many ways, it is, it is ifs and buts, but um, it just shows, you know, the fact that we've been close to the playoffs for the majority of the two seasons um, that we've completed at this level so far shows, you know, what a fantastic job that, that PEC, um, all the coaching staff um, and all the players that have been involved in that time have done and um, hopefully can, can kick on in the rest of this season. Um, and you know, having a really positive season. Yeah, definitely. And I think you've all made good points that have certainly meant that you know we've had a positive time in step three so far. Uh, Scott, I just wanted to ask, you know, have you got any standout moments or memories from uh, the last couple of years? Perhaps even a few good, um, a few of your favourite individuals throughout the the last couple of years. Who's impressed you the most in the squad? I think it's. Uh... I mean, in terms of moments, I'm just trying to think. Actually, um, I think the um, obviously we've obviously had a recent this year. Obviously, there's been the seven one, which has been a bit of a shock against King against Hitchin because even then, in that first half, they played. Funny enough, I thought they actually played quite well against us. But um, Chris Ray, well, the squad and Chris Ray were very very clinical in that first half, um, which I thought was a good game. I mean, this year, I mean, the Hennesford game. I don't think we would. I think we would would argue that I think that's been our best performance of the season so far, especially given who we were playing. Um, where we're expecting Hennesford to do. I know that, again, as we said, it's a very early in the season. Okay, they're not they're at the end of the table they wouldn't want to be. But again, I think they would be, they will change and turn things around most likely and be at the other end. Um, I think, in terms of, I mean, in terms of games we've had at step three, which I think have stood out in previous seasons, I think the five one away at Needham Market is definitely one which um, I would definitely highlight because I think that. That game, I thought that was our best performance of the season, um, where everything just happened. It was all on the deck. Uh, it was also where Albie Hopkins got his first ever senior goal, I think, um, mm. in that second half. And it just everything fell for us that day. Um, it was just a brilliant, brilliant performance. And it's a great ground to go and watch football in as well. Um, the other one I'll probably think about, I'd highlight what Ollie said earlier, Kings Lynn away. Um, I thought we were very, very unlucky not to get um, all three points barring a 95th-minute equaliser from Kings Lynn. Um, again, what I like about this level is you hit a ground, you hit, you've hit a level now where you're starting to see like step two or step one standard ground starting to appear at that level. So it kind of makes you feel you're at that, that sort of um, point where football crosses over from like step three to four to step two, one to two on that sort of way to the Football League. Um, a couple out there that you haven't mentioned yet, Scott. The uh, we we actually lost the game, but the moment when um, Hicks scored against Kettering away. Oh yeah, and, you know, I was just thinking better, about yeah. that one, and I wasn't going to mention it because obviously we lost the game. But for pure yeah. moments, you know, that one definitely stands out for me. I remember commentating with Bruce that day, uh, New Year's Day, Latimer Park. I think it was well over two thousand crowd, and just the, the sheer euphoria when the ball hit the back of the net from from Nathan Hicks's boot and seeing the celebrations in front of the stand, it, it was fantastic to see, wasn't it? No, definitely. I mean, we were right, me and Alex were actually right behind when he stuck it in the net, actually. And then I think we, it, it was just crazy. We all jumped at everybody, was hugging each other and, and um, <laughs> celebrating when that went in. It was just 
absolutely epic. I think what I think what that goal epitomised, and I think this is one key thing. I think um, is how far apart the two clubs were ten years ago. Um, when you think about when the old club went under, we had a, a youth team playing in the North Mountain Senior Youth League. They were still in the conference. They just moved into um, Nem Park. And then fast forward um, eight years later, seven, eight years later, no, seven years later, um, we're playing each other in the same league. Um, obviously, they've come down and had their own, issue, own problems and survived. And then obviously, we've risen from no, literally nothing. Uh, things like £300 pounds, um, in a bucket collection at the um, Pemberton Centre back in 2011 to get to step three. Um, and I think that's probably a lot of fans, if they were honest, would say that was the mark of how far, that was the benchmark of how far we've come, that we're actually playing catching in a local derby with about two, 3,000 people there. And then we just scored to take the lead against them. Um, I think that's probably what that goal represents. I think the only thing that can compare to that in terms of the, just the moment was um, Dolman's equaliser at Barwell in the FA Cup. I, I don't yeah. think I've ever celebrated like that, in, except yeah. in those two moments in my life. Actually, one goal I do want to mention was um, Alex Collard's against St Ives. I think it was um, it was nil nil going into like the eighty something minute, really really late. And uh, it, Alex Collard had just been announced as man of the match on the PA. And um, literally seconds later, the corners come in, and he just towered above everyone, headed this header into the bottom corner. And I just remember on the mic screaming his name for a solid ten seconds, and oh, the. the the shim, the moment it was, it was a great day. Weather was brilliant. The attendance was fantastic. Support was brilliant as, as always at Hayden Road, and oh, just all those things combined together made for such a brilliant, memorable, memorable moment. Really, I think it's late goals that make it, isn't it? You know, because one of my um, favourite memories from my time at Step Three so far was, I think it was January 2019, hitching away. Um, it's such a topsy-turvy game, being 2-0 up early on, you know, it's had the first 15 minutes looking like, you know, we could easily win the game at 3 or 4-0. Um, they get one back before half-time, gives them a bit of impetus going to the second half. They then come out a completely different side in the second period, um, just take over the game. We can't really get out of our half, go 3-2 down with about 12, 13 minutes left and you think, oh, you know, we've, we've chucked it away. But um, from nowhere, we, we get an equaliser through Ben Diamond, I think it was. I think it was in the 85th, 86th minute. Um, and then the Oxford Loney at the time, I think it's Matt Berry Hargreaves, went storming down the right-hand side, put a low ball in towards the near post and Sam Johnson um, got his first goal for the club, made a run to the near post, flipped it inside um, into the back of the net. That was about the 91st minute, I think, something like that. Um, I remember being on Radio Diamonds at the time with Sam Gregory and because it was down the other end, you couldn't see who'd scored and it was just literally just shouting down the mic for about 30, 40 seconds, something like that. God knows what the listeners were thinking, but, um, you know, just scenes like that, you know, and everybody running down on the, on the terrace behind the goal was absolutely um, fantastic. Um, and then another great memory for me was from from last season. Um, it was January, January earlier this year, actually, uh, when we went to Nuneaton and, and beat them 1-0. Um, yeah, I was just thinking that. Late Ben Farrell penalty, wasn't it? I think Ben Acquire was brought down and Farrell took away the penalty in the 88th minute. Um, but, you know, we'd, we'd thoroughly deserved that victory. And I think like what Scott was saying, you know, you kind of chart the progress back from, um, you know, the, from the old club um, to the foundation of the new club and how 
amazingly we've we've developed since then and how it's been such team efforts and everybody involved um and to go to a place like Nuneaton um you know who've got years and years of non-league pedigree um and, and playing them off the park um I remember Patrick Casey in defence was absolutely sensational that day it stepped mm-hmm. in I think somebody was um injured or um, suspended and he was he was absolutely sensational um fully deserved the victory um but you can't beat a last minute winner for, for drama, can you? So I remember all the fans again behind my goal piling piling down to celebrate with Ben Fowle at the time. Um and they're just two of my favourite memories from step three so far. And hopefully many more to to create in you know rest of the season as well. And you've got uh, another one I was just thinking about as well was when we beat Stourbridge last season. Um three two, I think it was. It was the game where the Norwegian fan club was there. I think Jack Ashton scored the winner with about three minutes to go. But prior to that, I think, was it Nathan Hicks? Did he score a screamer there? It was Ben Oh, was it Ben Aquai, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, rattled it in 100 mile an hour from the edge of the area, didn't he? And then, uh, yeah, Ashton nicked the winner with a scrappy goal right at the end. That's another brilliant. There's so many, really, when you think about it. I could do with having the, uh, the fixtures and results in front of me. Really. I'm sure there's plenty more we've forgotten about. Yeah, the Norwegian fan club chose a good game, didn't they? If you're going to choose one game, pick a five-goal thriller, we win, goal of the season. You know, what, what more could you want? They must think it's like that every week, but unfortunately uh, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> So moving on to the, um, well, into the 2020-21 campaign, um, we actually had nine pre-season matches um, going into um, this campaign. And we had five wins, um, a draw and three defeats. Um, what, what did you all make of our pre-season starting off with, with Scott? Because we started off quite well. Um, and then we sort of, well, we, we sort of petered out a bit, a couple of consecutive defeats and then quite inconsistent from now on in. But I suppose that's to be expected when you've got um, a lot of players to fit back in. You know, you've got a lot of new signings, trialists uh, are in there as well. There's a lot of players that you're working with, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I think what was prompted, I mean, the first uh, pre-season game I went to was the Kempston Rovers game, um, which, again, it was there was a lot of trialists there. Uh, most of them, though, we seem to have retained. Um, the likes of Laurel Smith impressed that day. His link up with his link up play with um, Chris Ray and also um, Tom Lorraine when he came on. Um, Jesse Acubine, again, another one which, although obviously he's a system player, he looked quite sharp. Um, there's probably a few more I'm gonna miss, I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss um, from the list, but um, that was a decent game. I thought the Kings Lynn game I was looking forward to, but unfortunately, the wind I think wrecked the game a lot of it. Um, it made it very, very difficult for both sides to test. And for me, that was quite disappointing because. I thought against Kings Lynn, what you'd like to do is you'd like to see us get tested just to see how we, where we are in terms of the season. But um, unfortunately, it wasn't we weren't it wasn't to be in that respect because again, say so the wind. And it does sound like excuse, but you are right. You know, there were a few. There was a good three or four kicks from Richard Walton that sort of boomeranged out of play. And I think, like you say about wanting to be tested in that sort of game, you know, you are you are going to come up against teams this season that do want to keep it on deck and move it around quickly. And I think it's those kind of games against Kings Lynn where you want to experiment how you defend against that. But unfortunately, because of the win, like you say, the game became a bit of a scrap. 
And I think it was it was their quality and you know their reaction to the first and second balls that unfortunately stopped us getting anything out of that game. No, definitely. I mean, I thought the um, I think the one which I thought we learned a heck of a lot from was the Bedford game. Although obviously we didn't, it wasn't the best of performance. Again, it is pre-season. We've got to stress that. I think we learned a lot actually that day in terms of where we were because I think um, I mean Bedford definitely were looking to um, cause a bit of an upset, which unfortunately they did. But I think in that respect, it, it gave the manager a lot more to um, to look at and think about. Because one of the problems is you don't what you probably don't. It's one of those old adjectives. You don't want to win every single game in pre-season, or well, you'd like to, but you learn more when you're um, when you lose than when you win. If you win all your games in pre-season, you don't learn if your goalkeeper's not tested, your defence is not tested, your striker, your centre forward, scoring three or four goals. Okay, it sounds good on paper, but if it's if if you're not getting necessarily tested. Um, as much, then it becomes difficult for when you get to the league games, trying to learn, you know, where you, the bits you need to work on. I mean, I was just looking at the Bedford game, looking where Bedford are. Bedford are actually fifth in the um, table in the league below, and obviously given the, they had the likes of um, Rennie Howe up front for him, obviously we know from the previous club, he used to play for Kettering, played for Peterborough, Burton Albion, Brist- I think he actually went to Bristol Rovers on loan at one point, I might be wrong on that. Um, you know they've got they've definitely got experience and say so looking at the current table they're looking to push up so um, there was that Daventry away it was okay I think part of the problem with Daventry away was we lost um, Laurel Smith we lost um, Will Jones to injury quite early on so that disrupted our preparations and I think after I think although I didn't go to I think we had the Brackley away game behind closed doors which sounded actually like a good good performance um, with again Richard Walton getting tested but pulling off some great saves from the sounds of things and us testing Brackley at the other end as well which again against Brackley given they're expected to do well at step two um, is probably a good work. Missed 7-1 result there against Barton Rovers <laughs> which was uh, definitely uh, well, it was a highlight um, yeah. in terms of performance. Yeah definitely I think that, that point we actually had we probably have the team which mostly has start, started most of the season actually at that point where likes of Luke Fairlam had returned. Um, obviously, we had Richard Alton, um, not Richard, Ross Alton, sorry. Um, had a good game in that one. Um, and I think he was trying to play, I think at that point, he was trying to, we were trying to play like a 3 5 2 in that, in that game, um, which it, in some ways, it, we haven't played as much as I thought we would do because I thought there's more, a lot of players, but we seem, we've played between that and like a 4 3 3 or the 4 4 2, depending on obviously what, who we're playing against. I think the temptation was there to use that formation when Fairlam came back in, yeah, wasn't it? Because we then were reuniting Fairlam and, and Joel, who did so well with that that formation um, when we won the the Southern League Division One Central. So I think maybe he was thinking about bringing that back in. But yeah, as you say, we haven't used it too much. But on the whole, I, I mean, if there's anything that I've learned over the years, it's that first uh, preseason friendly uh, friendlies mean nothing really. <laughs> there's no. There's no indicator as to what will happen when the season starts. I remember last season, for example, we um, I remember we lost to Oxford City. We were terrible. I remember thinking, "Oh my God, what what you know, what sort of squad have we got here?" And then I think we won our first three games, or about four of our first five, and then all of a sudden preseason's forgotten about, isn't it? Yeah, I think sometimes it feels like actually, if you have a terrible preseason, then that's a sign you're going to have a good season. Weirdly, um, it seems like it's the other way around sometimes. I think it's all about building fitness, isn't it? And like yeah. you're saying, about the amount of trialists, you know, that were that you tend to have during pre-season as well. You're seeing, you know, what players, you know, you you, you maybe want to 
sign up or give another chance and who might contribute to the um you know to the league fixtures um cup fixtures during the season um totally agree with Alex it's it's you can't judge too much from from pre-season it's good to test yourself against teams like um you know Brackley and Kingsley and sides that um you know at, at a higher level especially um but it is just about getting that fit and especially when you know we'd not played any um matches since since March as well. I know the club had been um training when the first lockdown was was lifted. Um but you're just getting back into the rhythm again. Um so you know it's good to see quite a lot of goals flying about. I think there's twenty eight goals in those um nine games. Something like that, yeah. Strikers to, you know, get some confidence. I know Tom Lorraine um scored a hat trick against Barton and he scored a few other goals during pre season as well. Um Will Jones got um I think it was three as well at uh, Whitworth's as well. So it's good to see, you know, some players getting on the score sheet and getting their confidence up um, and the whole squad getting the, the fitness up as well. But in terms of results, you can't um, read too much into it. Um, but on the whole, it was, I think it was, um, yeah, good to see a range of different players, but a range of different systems as well and have that flexibility. I know Alex was and Scott mentioned about the, Three five two. Um, I know we've seen four three three. You know, in the last couple of years, quite often. Um, but to have those two formations at our disposal, uh, disposal, and four four two as well. Um, you know, depending on the opposition and the the circumstances, but we're in during a, a certain game. Um, and the range of personnel that we've got to fit each of those formations, I think you know it will be really good moving forward into the rest of the season. I think 3-5-2 is something that was worth looking at even before going into this preseason. Because um, if you look at the personnel we had, particularly last season, I think the styles of players we had in the team actually suited the 3-5-2. You know, I think we had some good attacking-minded fullbacks uh, in Zach Reynolds and, at the time, Sam Brown, who fitted those wing-back roles really well. Um, we've got four or five really good centre-halves, who I think are all capable of starting in this team. And, you know, having three slots available would accommodate that. Um, you've obviously got some really hard-working industrial midfield players who could all work together really well in a midfield three, very similar to the, the midfield three that Liverpool play, actually, the one that's very hard-working, um, gets around off the ball. Um, not so much, um, you know, not, not as much of a creative onus on them, but, you know, they, they work hard off the ball and keep the team solid in that sense. And we've also got four or five strikers competing for two striking positions, you know, not, you don't necessarily need a wing. You didn't really need the wingers so much because we didn't really have any out-and-out wingers in this squad. And I think that's why Peaksy sort of lent towards this 3-5-2 system because, like I say, the, the styles of the players we have um, suit that system more. I think one key thing we've got to bear in mind, obviously, although we're talking about formations, is one thing which is pleasing is, again, is the style of play is getting, it's increasingly going towards more a, um, a passing style. Know, keeping it on the ground and keeping it fast, yeah. which we saw culminate in the Hennesford game. Um, but it's built again, it's building on what we've done previous in previous seasons. We saw it obviously, we saw that change in style last year, and we've just built on that. And I think that's one of the most pleasing things I found I, I took from pre season is again, we were trying to play that style, which for me I found really exciting um, to watch, particularly with the young players we've got. And um, again, we were quite attacking minded. Um, so it doesn't really. It, think, think key things. It doesn't really matter what sort of formation you play. It really depends on how you, what sort of style of football you play. Which you know, ultimately that's what draws people in at the end of the day. 
Yeah, definitely. Let's move on to the main season then. Obviously, our the official 2020-21 league campaign kicked off on September the 19th. Uh, we were obviously away at Nuneaton and we drew one all in that game. Very competitive match, I thought. A game of two halves, I think. Obviously, we were really dominant in that first half. I think we deservedly went in uh, 1-0 at half-time through that Laurel Smith penalty. Um, obviously, second half was a bit more of a challenge, especially after Ross Olsen got sent off. Um, and at, well, at, I know Nuneaton aren't performing as well as we thought they would be this season. But at the time, you know, you know, you go down to 10 men against what we thought was a much fancy team to compete for the league. You know, I think it was inevitable that Nuneaton would take more control in the game and and eventually find that equaliser. Um, Ollie, you were on the radio with me actually that day. What did you make of that game as a whole? Yeah, I thought it was a really positive performance, you know, um, opening day, like you say, going, going away to one of the um, pre-season title favourites, you know, you probably couldn't have had a party game on paper. Um, so you, you're always thinking, oh, how are we going to, you know, perform? How are we going to get on? But we came out the blocks um, and I totally agree with George. I thought first half we were, we were dominant. Um, we were we were pressing them early on, not letting them settle into any kind of, you know, rhythm or tempo or anything like that. For the midfield three especially, um, Ross Alton was, was um, snapping into challenges and, and getting into um, the opposition players and not letting them settle. Um, created a few chances as well, and we was rarely threatened down the other end. Um, you know, Laurel Smith's um, quick turn of feet and pace for the, to win the penalty in the first place was, I thought, was fantastic. The way he, I think he nutmegged the defender, ran into the box, and was hauled down, um, and then struck the penalty away well, which was nice after our penalty record of last season where we missed um, quite a few. Struck that away confidently. Um, and you know, fully deserved that lead going into half time. Um, totally agree with Joseph again. I think the red card did change the game. I think if we'd have stayed with 11 men on the pitch, we'd have ended up winning that game. Um, I know Laurel Smith had a good chance at the start of the second half, but was superbly tipped behind by the Nuneaton goalkeeper. Again, if that goes in, it's, it's maybe a different game, but yeah, the momentum definitely turned when Nuneaton, um, well, had the numerical advantage. Um, but even after that, they didn't create a huge amount of chances. It's not as if Walton was making um, saves every two or three minutes. I think he had a, you know, a few crosses to claim and a couple of saves to make. Um, and we naturally dropped a little bit deeper, but the defence stayed really strong. Um, and, you know, I think if he'd have offered me um, a point before the game kicked off, I'd have, I'd have taken that. So I think it was a really positive um, opening day for us. I don't know about you guys, but I I, I thought we'd sit a little bit deeper than than we actually did. Um, and we we all know that Andy Peake's teams uh, are built on very strong defenses, you know, but are very hard to beat. And then we look to score from that. But if you, I mean, you've only got to look at the goal to to work out just how much of a threat we were on that day. You know, Ross Alton won the ball quite high up the field. Uh, he gives it to Jesse, who feeds it to Laurel Smith, who wins the penalty really well. So I was actually not surprised, but. You know, I was very intrigued by how high up the field we actually pressed in that first half. What did you guys think on that? I remember going to the game, really quite nervous about it, thinking, well, they'd assembled some kind of star, well, for this level anyway, this league, a star-studded squad. They've got the player that I think is the best in this league, Rabbi Shamsi, who scored a cracking goal against us for Banbury last season. I thought we'd be under the cosh from, from the first minute to the last, really, but didn't pan out like that at all, did it? And um, I, if I remember correctly, I think we missed a couple of decent chances, but were they from corners or... Long throws or something in the in the first half. I think the Smith had one at the back post. Where yeah, he, I think Jack Ashton missed a couple of as well from set pieces. 
Yeah, and we, we, so we could have been more than one nil up at half time. I think we would have been good value for that. Um, but and then the second half obviously came, and I think the red card for Alton was perhaps fair, it, it, a little bit harsh. It looked worse on the video than I think it did on the day when we were there. Um, I thought it was a really harsh decision, but looking back, you could perhaps see why it was given. It was a little bit clumsy, but um, as has been alluded to, I think it, perhaps if we'd have kept eleven uh, on the pitch that day, we could we could have took the three points there, and then it couldn't have had too many complaints. I wouldn't have thought. Definitely, Scott. What do you think? I was going to say, you've got to bear in mind with the resources that sometimes non have got. I mean, they, um, they've got the likes of Leroy Leiter coming off the bench. He used to play for um, Reading and uh, Middlesbrough in the Premier League. Um, I'm OK, but he's 35 now. But again, it just shows you show the sort of depth they've got in their squad. Um, and I think that's one key thing I would take out of that. Is there's not been a game, many games over the last few years, where we've not been competitive, at the very least. Um, Again, I thought that was a reason. I thought again, it was a we could have won that if we'd had 11, 11 against eleven. Already alluded to the cracking um, save which um, Morale Smith forced the keeper to um, pull off in the first in the second half at the start. Um, we seem to it's interesting because we seem to be a bit of a little bit of um, we seem to be doing we've done quite well against Nuneaton in the last few years. We've done the double over them and obviously we've got to draw away at their place. Um, okay, it's only three games, but. We're going into a fixture which we're going in with a bit of confidence um, so far. So probably because it's the start of the season, both teams are just still trying to feel their feet, find their feet in terms of um, where they are in the, you know, in terms of their league campaign. Um, nobody, re- you've obviously had your different pre-seasons. It's a bit of a strange climate at the moment. So probably re- you could argue actually a point away at Non-Eaton is probably a reasonable point at this stage. Um, obviously, we're greedy, and you'd like you'd like more essentially, which I certainly think had we kept eleven on the pitch, we were more than capable of. Yeah, definitely. So moving on, then the the next week, September twenty sixth, uh, we drew at home one uh, all with Barwell. Uh, obviously, Barwell scored in the first half um, via that cross come shot that's just looped over Richard Walton's head. Nothing he could do; it's just sailed into his top corner. Uh, but we did um, come out in the second half with a very spirited showing. Uh, Matthew Slynn getting a late equaliser for the Diamonds as we picked up our first home point of the season. Um, start off with Alex. Alex, what did you make of that game in particular? Well, I noticed that you've kind of scooted past possibly the worst Russian Diamonds performance in history. <laughs> uh, definitely in the top two or three in the FA Cup game. But I think it's important that we mention that because I think that led, kind of followed through a bit into the Barwell game where um, there was definitely, yeah, it was definitely- a bit of- it was a hangover there to start with, I would say. Certainly in the first half, players are really nervous. Um, but once we did get the goal, it kind of in, it was quite late, wasn't it? In the end, it was a shame we didn't get it earlier because I think if we had got it earlier, we, we could have gone on to win that. Um, but the goal didn't come till about the 80th, 82nd minute through Matt Slynn. Um, and then it was just it was like an Alamo job, wasn't it? We were just peppering the goal, um, but it couldn't find a way through. But I think then uh, the players, even in that kind of 10, 15 minutes, got a bit of belief back after what had happened on the, the Tuesday prior in the FA Cup. And I would say, oh, I mean, we've had some defeats since, but we haven't really looked back. I was going to say, I just might as well just touch on that new game because we have mentioned it. I think the yep. problem, I think the thing, bizarrely as it sounds, it might sound on paper because you think, oh, they're a step five club. That was probably a tougher get. That was, would, on paper, probably was a tougher game than Non-Eaton because we know Non-Eaton is a, ultimately somebody we, we, we know a bit about because we played them last season. Whereas like some Newark, um, they're on a bit of a ride, run up, run up the leagues at the moment. Um, they've certainly got some very, very good players who we've come across in previous years. Um, like some Craig Westcar, 
up front. He obviously used to play for Kettering and we played, played against us for Alfreton. We've got Staines, Nathan Stainsfield, which a lot of people might remember from our Step 5 days. He, played, he got sent off um, against us um, for Spalding. Um, we beat them 2-1. Um, and he's obviously played against us subsequently for against us for um, Spalding. They actually, I don't know, I can't remember what the name is, but I got told this by the Newark um, board after the game, actually. They've got a couple who have played higher. There was a guy who plays up front, who I think he scored, who actually turned out for um, Celtic in the Champions League against Man United. So it gives you an idea of some of the pedigree they've got in that squad. I think, as Alex said, I mean, obviously we didn't play that well. I mean, there's no beating about the bush. We, it wasn't a very good performance. But then they also, at the reverse, they had a really, really good performance against us. And obviously putting the two together, that's what ended up happening. And pretty much everything they hit went in in that first 20 minutes. They were the free no up after 20 minutes. And then at that point, you're chasing the game. It's damage limitation. And um, I think, unfortunately, I think the heads dropped a bit. And it went from there. But I, mean, I suppose we could argue we've been lucky over the last few years that we've not really come on the receiving end of a giant killing. I think the last real giant killing, you well, I say that we lost to Hayes and Yedden away in the FA Cup um, the year before. But again, they seem to be a club which has got our number at the moment. We seem, we just don't do well against Hayes and Yedden, which we didn't do in the league the year before that uh, when we played in the same league. But I was going to say the previous one after, before that was probably the um, game away at, um, no, not away game, game away, the home game against um, St Andrews in the um, FA Vars when they got to the semi finals, in fairness. So, I suppose you could argue at some point you are going to experience have a game like that where you're not going to necessarily play very well and the other side is going to play very well who's from a lower league and unfortunately yeah go through which is what happens. Rodney, how much impact do you feel that um, that new game had on the Barwell game? Because obviously we, Alex mentioned yeah. quite rightly that it sort of had a bit of a hangover effect going into that game. Do you think that perhaps had an impact on the Barwell result or do you think it wasn't overly relevant in the grand scheme of things? No, I think it was. I think I think it was definitely. It felt probably like it was hangover because I think again, it's you. You're going. You're going into the open back of the thing. You don't want to make the same sort of mistakes. So we gave away a penalty within the first couple of minutes against Newark, for example. Players probably going to be concentrating and be a bit more not cagey, but you're going to play it a bit more, a bit like you do. We see with bigger games where you end, where it's a little bit. You keep things tight for the first 20, 30 minutes, and then you see where it develops from there. I think there probably was a feeling of that initially. Um, but obviously we weren't one nil down. But eventually, we started getting us, got a bit more confidence, and we went back on the front foot, and we actually eventually scored through Matt Slim, which suddenly gave us a boost in confidence. And I think there probably was a hangover certainly after that game. So I think we, but we've got to bear that, probably bear that in mind when we talk about the Barwell performance. And the, annoyingly, obviously, when at, the game, it was just a lead tank. Now Barwell are really struggling, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they have a quite down there up. I think in that game, I think Joel Jesse, when he came on, I think he changed the game. He gave us a bit of impetus. Um, you know, he, he's got that um, direct running. He you know, likes to get the ball down and run at defenders and get balls into the box and try and, um, you know, create create chances. Um, you know, he gave us something a little bit different on that day. Um I think he came on around 65th, 70th minute before that. You know, Bowell hadn't created too many chances in all fairness. They'd got the goal in the first half. Like Joseph said, it was a 
Um, kind of a cross shot over Walton from 30 yards, wasn't it? Um, 99 times out of 100, that sails into the Peter Bank terrace behind the goal or even over the terrace. But, you know, on that day, it, it dropped in, unfortunately, for us. Um, you know, we didn't create too much after that. You know, the, it was kind of a, a bit of a, a dour game um, until, you know, we, we got some impetus later on through the changes. Um, and like Alex said, we could have easily won the game. I think Ashton, Ashton hit, the, hit the bar or post late on with a header from a corner. Um, you know, so... Again, it, it was a game we, we, we could have won in the end, but the way that we we ended it helped to inspire, you know, the, the future performances. I think our next game was um, against Hitchin in the league, wasn't it? And obviously we saw the way we started that game was kind of a follow-on from the end of a Barwell game in terms of the increased confidence again, I think. from Rhodes. That has reached Jackson, though. He's only got McAllister up at the moment. He may want to go it alone here, Jackson. It's still Simeon Jackson. That is brilliant. Swap draw from the 20-year-old. His second of the night. It's five for Rushton. And this is a rout. And that leads us on quite nicely to that next game in the league, which did result in our first win of the season. Uh, that 7-1 win over Hitchin Town. Obviously, Chris Ray was the standout in what turned out to be a mad 10 minutes of, of football with, you know, I think it was just four shots, four goals from the diamond striker that day. Um, what did you guys make of that performance as a whole? Because obviously we, we look at that 10 minutes in particular and, and how frantic it was. But I thought we actually, and I think Pete said it in his post-match interview, the second half was arguably just as good in, in, in the way that we managed that game. I thought the second half, weird enough, was I know we got the four goals, Chris Ray got the four goals in the first half. I thought the second half was a lot, lot better. Weird enough, I thought we actually, our performances went up another level as a direct result, result of that. Um, I mean, the first half, there's no, no saying, I mean, what Chris Ray produced was brilliant technically and he was just clinical that day. Everything he hit just went in and it was just, you couldn't believe what was going on. Um, there were obviously some questions where I think they were, they were doing quite well against us at the back. I think they were probably, they'd argue they were unfortunate um, not to have probably got at least one back in that first half. But second half, we just shut up shop and um, we're just, Fantastic going forward. And we had the, again, we were just talking about obviously in pre-season, we obviously brought a few players on and made some changes and we still looked just as equally as strong going forward as that. And I mean, okay, we've caught, but you could argue we've caught Hitchin on a, bad, you know, on just as a one-off game. But if you consider that they've gone and beaten um, Bromsgrove away and they've had some good results since then, it just goes to show what a good, good result and what a good performance it was overall. I just said about how uh, Barwell are, are struggling since that game, but Hitchin are doing quite well now, aren't they? I think they're yeah. above us in the league. And to be honest with you, on that day, obviously they had a mad few minutes. Second half, we were particularly good. And then there was that 10 minutes in the first half. But I think they're one of the better footballing teams that we have played. And to say that after winning 7-1 is really strange. It yeah. is, yeah. I mean, I know we've touched on pre-season and the, well, the fact that you can look at results and they're not necessarily relevant. But, but in this case, I suppose it is, you know, they hitch in one of their pre-season games and translated that into the start of their season. Or Obviously, they did lose the game quite heavily in the end. But going into that game, as you say, Hitchin were in very good form. and It was, it was an opponent that we were very wary of. I think in the first half, they created quite a few chances as well. Whilst we were clinical and took the vast majority of the chances we had, um, Hitchin didn't. I mean, they maybe could have scored even two or three themselves with the chances they created. I know they did, they did get one. 
Um, but obviously, if he had been as clinical or as ruthless as we had been, it would have been a lot um, closer going into half time. Um, but like has already been uh, mentioned, we stepped it up even further in the second half. Um, and Scott said about the strength in depth when you can bring on people like Laurel Smith, you know, from the bench who can who can come on and make a difference with his, um, you know, with his bright, um, energetic running. Um, and his fresh legs, um, you, you know, that's a sign of, of strength in depth. And, um, you know, with him running against tired, tired legs, you know, the opposition defence, um, he's going to make a difference. So um, that proved with the um, with the goals we scored late on in that game as well to um, seal a, a, a fantastic victory in our first of the season. Absolutely. We obviously moved on to um, our first Tuesday night game of the season, uh, October 6th, Leiston away. Uh, not one of our favourite away days in terms of distance, I have to say, um, especially on a Tuesday night. But we, we did manage to get a point out of that game, um, two all. Um, obviously, we were behind twice and, and came from behind twice. And when you consider that we did get a red card um, in the first half, you know, I suppose we can look back on that as a, as a fairly good point. What, what do you all think on that? No, definitely. I think I think recently, I mean, it's in, well, frustrating we didn't get three points, but I mean, um, Leyston has been a... a a happy hunting ground for us in terms of results. We won there in our first um, visit. We won 3-1. Um, second season, we came from 2-1 down to win 3-2 right at the end. Um, and it is a great place to go and watch football. I mean, I know it's a, you're saying obviously the distance. I think the thing about Leyston is it, it feels, it's probably got a similar feeling to, um, if anybody went to Chalfont St. Peter, when we were at step four, where you go through all those, with Chalfont, you go through that sort of like, um, I was going to say forest, but it's not quite that. It's like a hedge, you know, all the hedges and that. And all of a sudden, you break out and you're in it. You're in um, Chalfon. It's similar with Leiston. You go off, you get off the main road, motorways, and then you cut across country. All those winding little roads, uh, which is always interesting at night. And then all of a sudden, you get into, you find Leiston, you come across Leiston, and you end up at the ground. Um, but again, I thought we were we were probably unlucky. Not Chris Ray actually in particular, because that was off the back of the, um, I think that was off the back of the Hitching game actually. It was, he, yeah. He hit the post about two or three times in that first half, and it was just, it just would not go in for him. He was really unfortunate. And then they managed to have that bit of a mate. That guy had that amazing run and ended up scoring in that first half. But to be honest, we were unlucky not to be about two or three up in that for in, before prior to that. Um, but one good thing, please, thing is heads didn't drop. We carried on doing the good work we were doing, at, and then we got the equaliser through Tom Lorraine, which did go in because we were right. It was one of those ones which caught out everybody because it hit the. Um, wheel on the goal because they've got one of these wheeling out the goals which you can wheel in and wheel out but it actually did definitely did go come across the line because we're right behind it but then definitely as we were saying the, the, the sending off did change the game um, for us where we were sort of like having to play a bit more defensive trying him on the break so we weren't able to give it it didn't give us the same sort of fluidity we had in the first half but um, again they got that win they got that goal which put them ahead but then we brought on Laurel Smith and he changed the game off the bench um, by getting a penalty again, it was a penalty, um, which he equalised. And then I think we were just unlucky not to get an, um, an equal, get a winner from that. But we probably would have done if we had ten men. Couldn't really tell, could you, in that second half that we had ten men? So we can't really play the, play the players any kind of bigger compliment than that. And again, like the Nuneaton game, we kept eleven men on the field there. I think there's no way that we're not picking up the three points there. Um, which, you know, potentially it could have been four more points added onto our tally. Things could be looking even rosier than they are now in what's a very tight league. Yeah, definitely. 
So moving on to October the 10th, um, it was our, unfortunately our first defeat in the season uh, away at Bromsgrove Sporting uh, by a goal to nil. But I don't think the scoreline tells the full story of the game because much like last time we went to Bromsgrove uh, a couple of seasons ago, we actually played really well, created lots of chances, went toe-to-toe with a very, very good side. But, you know, we just didn't put the ball in the back of the net. And ultimately, if you don't take your chances, you, you don't win games in football. So what, what, what did you all make of that one? Because, you know... That, that, it, it's a tough one, really, because they are a good side. Uh, I don't think their league position reflects how good they actually are. Um, but it, it just felt as though it was a bit of a missed opportunity in that game. It definitely did feel like that at the end, didn't it? I mean, I, I thought we were much the better team. We lost the game, but there's no way it should have happened, really. But again, going into that game, a bit like the Nuneaton one, they've got players there that... Um, we could never, never afford. Um, and it, on paper, they should, they should have been playing us off the park and beating us. I mean, they got they had a striker that day, Jason Cowley. They brought him from from Stevenage. He was playing in the football league last season, alongside Mike Taylor, who scores a ridiculous amount of goals at this level. And we kept the pair of them extremely quiet. We, we weren't short of chances. Bill Toxtall, uh, it was a horrible miss. To be fair, wasn't it? I'm sure he won't thank me for reminding him of that, but. Um, that could that could have gone in, and then the game's potentially changed there. And, but I, I also remember the Bromsgrove goalkeeper played exceptionally well that day, made a lot of good saves, and and really it was due to him that they picked up the three points. Um, it, it's 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 actually not. I mean, we played we were better than them that day. Uh, I thought, but their their recent results, that, you know, as as has been alluded to earlier, Hitchin have beaten them. They've lost at home to step four opposition in the trophy. So it that is looking like a missed opportunity now, definitely, I would say. We, I think we've caught them. Well, we got them at the right time, but we didn't make the most of it. I think in a lot of ways also, you could argue it's probably, although we didn't get the result like we did last year, I think it's probably a better performance than last year because literally, literally last year, it was a case of who was going to score was going to win the game, pretty much. I mean, they had one cleared off the line last year. We had one cleared off the line as well. Um, but as this year, I think, we were probably the better side. We were just unfortunate not to take our chances, particularly in that first half. When I think, yeah, it was Ben, it was Fernando Beltox who hit the crossbar. It was, yeah. yes. Um, you know, we were very unfortunate not to get at least, um, you know, get get at least on their level terms. We were just trying to think actually whether we were, where it was nil nil at the time. I think it might have been actually before they scored. Um, obviously, then it would have been a different game. But I think one thing got bear in mind is at the moment. We've only played seven games in the league, so we're still in that crazy part of the season where people are still getting used to things and you know feeling their fitness. We've only played a month worth of football, month and a half worth of football, of competitive football, um, putting aside the pre-season friendly. So again, this league hasn't hasn't for, hasn't formulated yet. Um, no, I'd agree. Anything you want to add, Ollie? Yeah, it feels weird to say that, doesn't it? Because obviously, you know, recording this episode during November, you'd normally be quite you know quite a bit into the season now wouldn't you and the, the league table would kind of be taking um taking shape um and you'd kind of see which teams would probably be up there um for the rest of the season and what sides might be struggling um but i think yeah it, in terms of the you know the bromsgrove game um, performance again was 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 excellent um you know for how clinical we'd been against pitching a few weeks before um, I think it was just one of those days where could have been playing for quite a lot longer than 90 minutes and just nothing nothing would have gone in. It was just you know a combination of good goalkeeping, like Alex said, and a um, little bit of bad luck. Um, but in terms of the actual performance, you know, we, we, we knocked it around well, um, limited them to, to very few chances. 
um, and looked looked dangerous every time we went forward. The subs that came on made a difference as well. Um, but yeah, you, you you do think at the time a little bit of a missed opportunity, but um, lots of positives to take from the, from the performance itself. But it was a missed opportunity in uh, in Bromsgrove, but certainly not back at Hayden Road uh, on October the 17th. Uh, our second win in the season, coming over Hennesford Town by two goals to one. And I, I can't remember if it was on air or off air, but we were discussing how good a performance that actually was. Um, what did you all think of that game? I think that's their best performance of the season, actually, so far, even though we scored seven against Hitchin, because I thought we were just, you know, spot on from all 90 minutes. We were, not only were we playing well and we're going toe to toe against Hensel again, it's another side which, I mean, okay, they're um, near the bottom end of the table. They shouldn't be there based on what we saw that day. But again, got the penalty. Tom Lorraine was unlucky. He was offside, but he was unlucky not to get that second one from that header, which was a brilliant cross in um, from the right. Um, and then obviously you got Luke Fairham's second goal for the club when he cut in and actually scored um, in the second half. Um, I think, yeah, I think from that we were just everything just came together on that day. It was pretty much a complete performance. And what a hitting goal by Luke Fairlam, wasn't it? Like you say, Scott, I know it's uh, it's only his second goal for the club, as you say. It was his first, I think his first goal was in the FA Cup, wasn't it, against Alfreton? Um, in the FA Cup replay a couple of seasons before, so it was his first league goal for the club, wasn't it? Over the, the two spells, it was a terrific strike by him to, um, you know, what we thought at the time was seal the game. I know Hennesford pulled one back shortly afterwards and with about 10 minutes to go to make it a little bit of a nervy ending. Um, but I thought we saw out the game really well. Um, and again, didn't, you know, we could easily have dropped really deep and um, almost, you know, kind of retreated into our shell and been just hoofing it forward and just trying to desperately hang on for the victory. But it never felt like that, I didn't think. I think something that's quite interesting as well is, you know, how many times have we said, you know, this team's lower down in the table, but they won't be coming into the season. I think it just goes to show how competitive this league actually is. And and the fact that, you know, two wins out of six, didn't, it doesn't necessarily sound like a lot, but we were fourth in the table after that when we get Hennesford, which just goes to show how competitive this level actually is. Yeah, certainly. And like I said earlier, you know, the first um, two seasons, um, have been like that as well. Um, you know, each in in both of the four seasons, um, it's been it's been so close. You know, where if you win two or three games on the bounce, you may be leaping up five or six places. But then if you lose two or three on the bounce, you may be dropping seven or eight places, especially early on in the season when the table is still um, taking shape, as I say. Um, and I think yeah, this season is is yet again going to be going to be one of those that is really tight. A few more goals to bear in mind. We've got a very, very young squad, um, very young squad. So we're going to get that. Sometimes that consistency is not always going to be there because again, they're still developing their game, they're still evolving as players, still evolving as a team. Um, most of those players in that squad are nowhere near their peak. So you will get games like we, where it won't be as good. But again, that puts us in good stead for not just maybe not this season, but two, three years down the line potentially um, when they start hit, all hitting their peak. Um, I think if you look at the midfield, the general midfield three that we've had for a lot of these games, like you say, Scott, just to back up your point, I think usually we have Matthew Slynn in there, Fernando Beltoxtel, Jesse Akebine as well. I think the oldest one, I, I'm not sure who is, but the oldest one in that midfield is what, 22? Something like that. Which just goes yeah. to show how young this squad is. We've got young defenders in the likes of Paddy Casey and Ryan Hughes. 
Defenders tend to peak late. So, as you say, they're going to get much better as their careers go on. Richard Walton, you know, you forget he's only 22 with how commanding he is at the back. So, as you said, there's a, there's a lot of room for this squad to grow, isn't there? And I think it's good to have that experience to balance that as well. You know, Liam Dolman and with Ross Alton coming back to the, to the club, um, you know, in the close season as well. I know Tom Lorraine's, you know, been at the club for... Um, a good five or six years now as well. So to to have those three experienced players, Jack Ashton as well, um, you know, alongside a, a lot of younger faces, I think makes for a good blend. I think also you got to bear in mind, just just touching on that, with Miss Liam Dolman for a large part of the season, how well, and this is a credit to them um, rather than anything with Liam, is how well Patrick Casey and, and um, Alex Collard have done. Um, without obviously Jack Ashton and um, Liam Dolman around, um, how much those two have stepped to the players, two young up-and-coming defenders. Um, and they've not looked out of place. They've, they've, they've started forming a really, really good partnership at the back. And Alex in particular, he's, he's shown great leadership, hasn't he? I think he's only 25, which is quite young for a centre-half, actually, but he's shown great leadership, even on and off the pitch. He's a really talkative guy. And potential captain material one day, who knows? I would say so, definitely, yeah. I mean, I didn't realise he was that young. <laughs> he was quite that young, um, to be honest. But, I mean, yeah, the fact that he is, I mean, that stands us in good stead, particularly with him alongside Patrick Casey, who I think is looks like an outstanding player, to be honest. Um, he came through, I think, one of his first games was the 8-2 defeat against Bromsgrove. And I thought, we might be chucking, either, we might be chucking him in too early or he might not be good enough. But the, the strides that he has made recently are incredible, really. And he's somebody that I, I think the club... <laughs> It's uncertain times at the minute. You maybe don't want to put anybody on a contract at the minute that you might not be able to fulfil for one reason or another. But once a bit of normality returns to the world, I think Patrick Casey, at least, if not Collard as well, potentially too, that we should be looking to put on a contract. As well, you know, it's very easy to forget he's only 19, 20 years old. You know, we've seen him play centre-back in a back three, centre-back in a back four, right-back, left-back, central midfield. We've seen him play so many different, different positions. And he, he's taken to all of them like a duck to water. He's been absolutely brilliant since he's come into the first team. I think where we got, I think it's, in, yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, I was just thinking actually with contracts, we always, it's interesting with contracts because we get players and they often get injured or um, for a large part of the seasons, don't they, with when we put players. I mean, like, um, I think going back to Alfie Taylor got injured um, not long after signing a contract. Um, Ross Dunkley got injured after getting a contract. Obviously, Collard was on a contract last year. Um, so probably at the moment they probably don't want one just yet. They want to probably get that run of form going before you put them on contracts. Um, just, it's just like we said. I think it's about protecting your assets, isn't it? Really, yeah. and um, I, I don't think you can necessarily go through life think, worrying about somebody being injured. <laughs> if you've no. got a really good player that you think is worth uh, is worth a bit of money to somebody that wants to come in and poach them, like we've seen with Ben Aquai perhaps, and um, I think somebody will come in for Patrick Casey at some point. Um, you know, you, you want to protect those and, and try and keep them at the club as long as you can. So moving on to uh, the last game we had before lockdown, uh, October the 24th, we went to Colville Town away and uh, unfortunately lost four goals to one. Um, and I think it is worth pointing out before anything that Colville are top of the league. They're flying and have had a really, really good start to the season. And I don't think sitting here right now recording this that any of us would bet against them going up at the end of the season. I know we're only seven or eight games in, but they have looked flawless nearly so far um, obviously it was a tough afternoon uh, for ourselves um, what, what, Scott what did you make of that performance in particular I think as you said we came, we came up against a really really good side um, it, it's a difficult one because we, again we don't have a very it's, a, it's one of those grounds where we're just talking about how 
well we've done against Nuneaton. Colville was a team which we seem to we've struggled against in recent years. I mean, apart from I think the yeah, apart from the um, game we played in our first season against them on the Tuesday night at Hayden Road, I think we've lost all the others recently. So they've, they've, they're aside for some reason. They seem to have our number on that at the moment. Um, and I don't say that we obviously scored, but again, it's a side which is up there and will be up there towards the end of the season. I mean, in terms of their gate, they had 500 that day. Um, they're definitely looking to probably push on to step two. But again, it's it, it's it's really early in the season. Um, we could, who knows? We could have done quite well on the Tuesday night against Tamworth, but we've only again we've only played seven games. I think it was the start of the second half in that Colville game that that that, that won it through in that first 15-20 minutes. Salvo after the break, we we went in only one down. Chris Raid had a, a brilliant curling shot from just inside the area, which forced a sensational save from the, um, I believe, ex-Football League, Goldini, who was in goal for Colville that day. Um, you know, if that goes in 1-1 at half time, gives us a bit of impetus going into the second half. Um, but the game was still, you know, very much, you know, on a knife edge going into the break. But the way they came out in the first 15, 20 minutes, like I say, when you've got a front three of... Um, Luke Shaw, Tim Berridge and Billy Key at this level, you, you're not going to do too bad, are you? I don't think it was definitely, definitely goals in that front three. Um, and so it proved with, with Berridge scoring uh, two and, and Shaw one in the second half. And that just took the game away from us, unfortunately. Um, I know Colville, you know, stepped off the gas a little bit after that um, with the game having been won, but we, we reacted, you know, pretty well in the last 20 minutes or so. Um, it was a nice goal that Ryan Hughes scored meeting a... Um, a good delivery from Luke Fairland from the free kick. Um, but sometimes you've just got to hold your hands up and say, you know, um, the opposition on the day were, were, were better um, and that we're going to do really well this season um, and dust yourself off, learn the lessons and, and go on to the next game, whenever that may be, of course. Yeah. Anything to add, Alex? Deliberately stay quiet on this one because I wasn't actually at that one. <laughs> I, I, I stayed at the Ritz that night and I, I had to think long and hard whether I went to Colville on a rainy Saturday afternoon or stayed at the Ritz overnight. And unfortunately, the Ritz won. So I can't, uh, yeah, I can't offer too much input on that. But just to echo what Scott said earlier, I mean, they, they're looking like a bogey team for us now, aren't they? But alongside that, they're also a very good team. And like you mentioned with, with Billy Key, uh, I think is it Berridge up front as well. I think he scored a hat-trick against us a couple of years back. Um, so it looks like they're retaining their good players as well as adding to that. Clearly, they've got, um, I mean, they had 500 there for the game against us, possibly because crowds that aren't um, allowed at levels above this has maybe swelled their crowd a little bit, perhaps from Leicester fans or whatnot. But also on the flip side, perhaps it's a, just simply a club on the up. And um, I think that definitely looks like the way they're heading. I, I certainly wouldn't be betting against them going up. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, you mentioned about the club being you know, together and, and going for step two. And, he, and the, the fans that day for, for Colve, I have to say, they were magnificent. They were non-stop all, all games, singing all game. E- even after we scored, they, they just carried on and they, they look a club very united, don't they? There was a moment of danger, but there's danger for Kettering here as Brady again coming forward. Mustafa as well. Still Mustafa. Carey. Gary shooting, deflects off Phil Brown, into the path of Mustafa, and there's Derby for the second goal for the Diamonds, out of nothing really. The ball deflecting off Phil Brown, falling to Tarkan Mustafa, his cross to the far post, Derby not picked up, he's got his second, and surely that's the points now for the Diamonds. 77 minutes gone here at Rockingham Road, it's Kettering nil.
So just before we wrap up uh, here on our first episode, I just wanted to ask all of you guys, uh, starting off with you, Ollie, um, who's been your, say, standout players so far this season? I'd say for me, Paddy Casey, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I mentioned earlier on um, in the episode how when he was asked to step up last season, I remember when he um, came in, I think it was away at Alva Church in the first season. That was one of the first times that, um, and he was fantastic that day. Um, I believe he had to, he stepped in at Leicester away when we won 4 1 as well. Um, I believe that was with Matt Berry Hargreaves, who just come in on loan from Oxford, like I mentioned earlier. Um, them two looked like they'd, they'd played many games together, not literally just their first game then. Um, you know, and he's he, he looked brilliant when he was called upon last season and he's carried that form into this season as well. Um, very much belying his his youthful years. He looks like he's been playing the game for, you know, such a long time. His reading of the game is excellent. You know, he, he likes to, to play the ball, um, you know, on the deck to the midfielders and, and build attacks from the back. Um, and he seems to be drawing on, um, you know, the, the experience that, Liam Dolman and Jack Ashton will be able to to pass on to him as well, and even and even Alex Collard as well. Um, he's taking that all on board, and I think he's developing into a, a superb all round player. Um, so he's been the the standout for me. Where, where do you guys see Paddy Casey playing in future? Because obviously, as as I touched on earlier, he's played in a variety of different positions, both in defence and midfield. Um, I think. I, I would probably say he's going to develop as more of a centre-half. Would you agree or do you see him somewhere else? He might end up having to play somewhere else purely on the basis that we've got Liam Dolman and Alex Carlard in there who, who are excellent. And that's not to say that Patrick Casey isn't, but um, I mean, it, which one of those two are you going to leave out? Are you going to leave out Dolman or Collard? You've got Ashton and, and Ryan Hughes as well. Of course you have, yeah. I just feel like... Um, at the moment, he may find his opportunities limited in that position and might might find himself... Moving to left or right back once once Liam Dolman becomes fit, but let's be honest, he's played in pretty much all those positions and um, looked equally capable in any of them. To be honest, I think we've got yeah. to bear in mind his age at the end of the day. He's nineteen, but again, you never know. It might be a case of even when those players are fit, if he's still playing very well, he might keep him out of the team. You don't know. It's it it's makes it quite an intriguing situation actually for the manager. Um, does he leave Patrick Casey out or does he bring back in Liam Dolman and Jack Ashton potentially? No, it, we don't know. It's a good problem to have. Um, I mean, I'd agree with what Alex has just said. I, I see him probably future in the future as a centre-back. Um, but again, he can do a job um, in various positions, which is great, another great thing to have. Um, but as I said, at the um, stage he is at, he's, he's at him in his career. Go, he can well, go has um, stood out so far this season. Fairlam as well, haven't you? I was absolutely delighted when he came back to the club this summer. I thought I think it might be controversial. I think he's possibly the best player that we we had playing for us in his first spell. I thought he was outstanding. Perhaps didn't contribute enough goals. He's probably aware of that, but his all-round contribution to, to our, our team that season was massive. And I, yeah, absolutely ecstatic to see him back. And I think he's looked like you know he's, he's kicked on a bit again from what, what we saw previously. Uh, I think there's plenty more to come from him. He's already chipped in with a goal. I'm, I'm sure. I, I don't know the stats. I'm sure he's contributed some assists, but he was getting in all the right positions against Hensford to, to have got some more goals than the one he did get. I think he's he's been uh, definitely a, a bright spot, kind of as expected at the start of the season. I think also because he's I think he's about 27, so he's starting to come into his prime as well. So 
he is going to get to the point where he's going to be hitting that peak. So um, you've probably got him at the back at the right sort of time. He's gone away to Brackley at step two and he's le- he will have learned a heck of a lot with Brackley under um, Kevin Wilkins um, whilst he was there. Okay, he's, come, he's had to drop down to step three, but again, there's no reason why he can't push on and move up. Hopefully with us or possibly go back up to step two. Um, he's certainly got a point to prove. Um, but yeah, I agree with Alex. He, he was definitely a great sign. I mean, again, one thing probably the point out actually is that came about because obviously um, with the um, player lottery, which um, a lot of people have chipped into, which I've been told we've apparently got about we've got about 241 currently signed up to. I think the club wants to try and get to 250. But um, yeah, I mean that's proved to be a really good thing because that which literally if we hadn't had that, we probably wouldn't have got back got Fair, Luke Fairland back to the club. Yeah, I was just going to actually um, ask about that. Uh, do you want to tell us a bit more about that uh, lottery initiative? Yeah, essentially what it is, is um, you pay, basically fans will pay in about £10 a month. Um, you, can buy more t- you can buy more tickets. So £10, it's £10 a ticket. Um, it's done by Snelling Order Direct Debit. Um, you can do that through the club website, um, um, for the club shop. And each month it goes into a central pot and half of that then gets his um, ring fence for the manager and just builds up over time. And it's something for him to use as and when he needs to, to possibly bring in those additional players in to make a difference like he's done with Luke Fairlam, um, to actually boost his budget a little bit more outside what he's been given as a budget for the season. Um, the other half of that money is also um, given out each month and quarterly as prizes to the fans. So it's, Essentially, like your lottery, you can get some quite decent-sized prize. I think one prize, I think, they ended up being about eighteen hundred pound, yeah, eighteen hundred quid. Um, once one month, I think that might be the quarterly draw. But pretty, if it's been anything like two hundred to six hundred pounds, you've also got other various things. I mean, there's um, there were season, cinema tickets. Obviously, that's a bit difficult at the moment, but obviously, we're hoping to get more people, more um, businesses on board, possibly to donate prizes, and hopefully, the more people who join, the bigger the um, budget additional budget the manager has to dip into as and when he needs to and also it means in, if you're obviously looking to try and win prizes um you get a bit potentially you get um the option it ends up with a bigger payout potentially but definitely man- definitely and, and if any of you do want to get involved then uh, like scott says you can check more about that on the uh, club website remember you've got to be in it to win it um uh, scott do you want to tell us a little bit more about the um the new kit initiative as well obviously um we saw it, it made it, the new kit made its debut um, against Hennesford Town. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit more about um, what's what's on the kit? Yeah, essentially, it's, it's um number of fans. I can't remember how many it was now. I think it was more than a couple of hundred, actually, in the end. Um, everybody paid about £50 to have their name woven into the kit um, during the um, close season when we we're obviously looking to raise money because we'd lost recently lost um, auto windscreens as our main sponsor. Um, they couldn't commit. Um, for this season, which obviously left a big hole in the club finances um, and budget. So it's part of the initiative. I think it was a fan actually. Um, I can't remember what it was on the members forum or the um, on the open forum. Um, put it forward as an idea. It's one which you've seen before, but again, we hadn't actually tried. Um, so obviously the appeal went out for people to, you know, if they were interested, um, you know, to put their name on the kits. Um, and yeah, I think pretty much I think it's safe to say um, people answered the call, and um, it it's only just appeared because because we had those so many names coming in, we had to delay the um, 
launch off the kit as a result of that whilst it was being um, produced by Macron. I mean, hopefully the away kit will follow soon. Now we've got, agreed, we've got the sponsors agree, sponsor agreed for the away kit and the fur kit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, since then, obviously it's launched and it's, um, I think it's gone down very, very well with people. And it looks really, really nice actually when, you, when we saw it against Kinnisford. Frustratingly, it's the only game we've actually seen seen it out um, having out in so far because the other one obviously was Bam- was um, Colville away and because of the clash of colours we can't play our in our home kit but I think we would have seen it um, have another outing against um, Townworth and Ilkeston if those games had gone ahead Yeah and I think a word for the sponsors on that new home kit as well because um, we're on the shirt we've obviously got um, Rushed and Mind uh, on the sleeve we've also got um, In Support of Calm um, which I think uh, Mike Paul raised the money for um, if you didn't know about that story, Mike Paul, of course, raised some money for the club through his um, football manager streams, um, which is a fantastic um, from Mike and a, and a big thank you for that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think and particularly in what's been a very turbulent year, I think it's it's very good to sort of showcase that message um, about mental health, isn't it? No, definitely. I mean, um, I think that's one good thing about it. It's a local charity in Rushton as well. As well, um, they were certainly they were thrilled when they actually got. Um, put forward as the um, uh, shirt sponsor. I mean, I think from memory it came out because I think it was Macronstall Northamptonshire, um, Macronstall Northants um, won the um, raffle and then the directors of that um, asked the or the um, directors of the club to, um, if they could nominate a local charity um, to go on the shirt. And obviously we had a, had a discussion and it was decided to um, award it to Rushton Mind. Um, we will say we're absolutely thrilled they've made it onto the um, shirt. And I think one key thing is given what's going on at the moment, how important it is to um, mental health is going to be over the next few months and probably the next year as we come out of lockdown. It was certainly very, very poignant to actually pick um, a mental health charity. Yeah, brilliant. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for the first episode of the Russian and Ranting podcast. Scott, Ollie, Alex, thank you for your coming this evening. I've really, really enjoyed recording this first episode of you. I don't know who we're playing next. I don't know where we're playing next. I don't know when we're playing next. But until then, you're going to have a lot of great coverage, I'm sure, on this new podcast. Be sure to stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you all for tuning in. And we hope to see you all at Hayden Road very, very soon. Take care, everybody.